week I got to hang out with a really cool guy who's going to be starting a brand new journey in his life, becoming a lead pastor. And served alongside of him for many years, and he's going to be, him and his wife are going to be doing some great things in ministry. And he quoted this verse, and it just stuck with me. It's been, it's been wrestling with me in my spirit all the past three days, really, to be honest with you. And, uh, and I want to bring this verse to you. And, and I truly believe that, that God is going to use it to just, just seal what he just did at the altar. I mean, I, I, God orchestrated that. That's not, it's in my, not even in my notes to do that, all right? God just did it. But this is the verse that's going to be in Isaiah 43. It's going to be really quick tonight. And we're going to take communion. The ushers will get ready, but not, to, not, just, not right just now. But in a second, we're going to take communion. But in Isaiah chapter 43, if you have your Bible or you have your Bible app or our app, turn to Isaiah 43. The notes are there, and it says this. Forgetting the former things. Forgetting the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that we don't have to dwell on the past. The Bible says in Isaiah through this prophet, See, this is God speaking, I am doing a new thing. Mm. Mm. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it or can you not tell it's happening? It's there. Well, you may say, well, I, don't, I didn't see anything different. My bank account didn't change when I went back to my chair. Listen, it's springing up. God is doing something. Perceive it because it's going to come to your house. It says, I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland where there seems to be no way God loves to just go, watch me. Watch me completely mess with your logic on how this is supposed to go. And, and I truly felt like the Lord said, there, there, there are some people that are going to walk in tonight. You know how you, you just did this with your kids. I know I just did this with my kids a few months ago. I, I told them to make a Christmas list, right? And they didn't make a list. They made a catalog, all right? They, 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 I said, make a couple things you want for Christmas. And my daughter came back with the catalog circle with almost everything circled. I'm like, that's not a list. That's the whole catalog. I can't, we're not going to get you all, you know. One thing, what was that one thing that you wanted the most? And, you know, she circled 15 things. And we're so like that with God sometimes. You're like, we're just, God, I want this, I want this, I want this. And he goes, really? That you, you want all of that? But what about that one thing that you need? What about that one thing that I want you to just, to just hone in on? I've been trying to get you to, to get around your, your, maybe it's your marriage or maybe it's, it's focusing on your school. What's that, that one thing? And I felt the Lord say, you know what? God is going to do something new in our lives in 2017. And he's going to say, listen, you've been so focused on the 80 things last year. I want you to focus on this one thing this year. And we're going to find out what that one thing is through a series of questions. But before we do that, Matthew said it. This is Jesus telling us this. Uh, he says, but first, but first, before you seek that one thing from me, uh, I want you to find me first. I, I got to be the number one. Seek me first, the kingdom. Seek all of that God has for you. Seek, seek the kingdom first, which the kingdom we know when he's talking is the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Seek me first and my righteousness, which is his. And it says, and then all these things will be added unto you. That one thing that God wants to do in your life, he says, wait, first, before I release financial blessing upon you, there may be one thing I need you to focus on. There may be one thing I want you to hone in on tonight. And so before we go to the table of the Lord, just four simple questions to help us just narrow that down. God, I don't want to be a shotgun to this world. I, I want to be, be sniper focused on what you have for me and what you want me to do. And God has that for every single person in this room watching online. God has the one thing he wants you to dive into. So we're going to ask a series of questions, just four simple questions, right? To just help us get to that place where we're, we're forgetting the past and we're stepping into the new that, that God has for us this year. Here we go. Are you ready? All right. So make sure, make sure you're not asleep. All right, here we go. 
Number one, just simply this. What one thing do you desire from God? What is that one thing that you say, God, I desire not of you, but from that, that is from him? You know, finances, yeah, but, but what's that one thing I'm seeking from the heart of God, the Father. Matthew says he's a good father. He's not going to give you a snake if you ask for a piece of bread, or he's not going to give you a stone, excuse me, a stone if you ask him for a piece of bread. He, he, he wants to bless you with good things, but I want us to just focus down because sometimes we come to the Lord and he's like, I see your thousand things you need from me, but what is the one thing you desire? And tonight I'm, we're going we're gonna to take that before the table of the Lord here in a moment. In Psalms, it says this, verse 27, verse 4, one thing I asked, David said, David, the great king, could have said a thousand things. God asked for you to forgive me for all the stuff that I did in Bathsheba and all the mess. And, you know, God, I want you to make me the greatest king. You know, he could have asked for a million things. But he says, one thing I ask is always let me be in your presence. Never let me desire anything more than you. That's what it says. One thing I ask of the Lord, that is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Young adults, not the beauty of the young lady sitting next to you or the single ladies that come. The beauty of the Lord and to seek Him. Could I I dare say that's Jesus going, hey, listen, if you're going to seek one thing, let it be me first, let it be me first, let it be me first. What's that one thing you desire from God? Has it been a better job, a better, a better marriage? Maybe the Lord has been waiting for us to say, God, the only thing I seek, the one thing I seek is that our relationship would get better, that I would desire you more than anything else in my life. That's the place where God, I think, desires us to be, this, this new thing that he wants to do in our lives. Because we all get to a place where we say, God, you're, you're the one thing I desire. Number two, so ask the question, God, what's the one thing I desire from you. It should be you. Check that in my heart. But, but number two, what's the one thing you lack? Now you can, if you're honest, if you're like me, I, I can tell you a thousand things I lack. I'm usually better at the things I lack than the things I'm good at. I can tell you all my flaws and my mistakes, and we're really good at that as a culture, right? And when we're not good at it, other people are good at it for us. They can point out all our flaws and all our mistakes. So this isn't a, a, a take the whip and lash yourself all night long and go, oh, I know all the things I lack. I don't, I don't do a good job of this. I don't clean the house. I don't. No, no, no. This isn't, this isn't the, the things that you lack. As we get in the picture of Mark chapter 10 when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, right? And he had everything. He's called the rich young ruler. We've talked about him before. You don't get the title in Scripture, rich young ruler, if you don't have all three of those things, all right? He was rich. He had money. He was young. He had youth. And he was a ruler. He had authority. He had everything in their culture that our culture, even today, would say, yeah, I'll follow him on Twitter because he's got rich, young ruler, right? That's the guy I'll follow. Uh, I'll follow his snaps because he's going to show his Lamborghini and he's going to show his, you know, tight abs. I'll follow him because he's rich, young ruler guy. So he's got everything in culture, even today, that by every standard has everything everybody wants. But Jesus looks at him and he says, you've lacked something, bro. He wasn't even able to see it. No, I lack. Do you, re- do you realize who I am? I'm the rich, young ruler. I don't lack anything. And Jesus says this to him. He says, Jesus looked at him and said, uh, and loved him. I love that. It's a look of love. And he says, come on, one, it's underlined. One thing you lack, he said. Oh, look at Yeah, there, it's, it's bolded. All right, say it with me. One thing you lack, he said. 
Go sell everything and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He wasn't lacking anything on the monetary standpoint or the social economical standpoint or the body standpoint. He's young. He, like, he had everything. He was it and a bag of chips. But what he lacked was this, God, I desire you above everything else. That's what he lacked. So just really quickly, do an inventory of your heart. What's missing? What's missing in your relationship with the Lord? Some of us in this room, it's the Lord that's missing. We don't have a relationship with him. We have a relationship with everything else, even our electronics we have a relationship with, but we don't have a relationship with the Lord. He is what's missing. But those of us that have been around the church world our whole lives and we've grown up in this and we've got it accustomed to the culture of Christianity, we can think we've got it all figured out until we put all of those Christianity things above Christian, above Christ, above Jesus. Right? What's the one thing? So you're looking up to heaven tonight and you're going to say, God, show me, expose me for who I am because I know that I'm safe in your arms. The Bible says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Remember in Revelations, Jesus is going to speak in Revelations very quickly. He's going to say to the church of Ephesus. I would say the church of Ephesus would be the modern day church. I've been in Ephesus. It was a modern place. Even in ancient times, it was the modern city, right? He goes to Ephesus. He goes, man, you guys, you guys got that down. You got that down. You're doing good. You're loving. You're kind. You're awesome people. But this one thing I have against you, you've forgotten who your first love is. You fell in love with all these other things. You fell in love with the program. You fell in love with the the idea of Christianity. You fell in love with the idea of being religious, but you have forgotten who the Savior is, who it's all about. Maybe that's where some of us is. Maybe the new thing that God wants for us in 2017 is for us to be reminded that the thing that we're missing is the very thing that will bring wholeness to us, not in relationships or addictions or drugs or money or education, but it's going to be in the person of, of Jesus. What one thing do we lack? Number three, just simply this. Ushers, you can begin to prepare for communion. What one thing do you desire from the Lord? God above you, everything, nothing. I desire you above everything. What thing am I lacking? Maybe I'm missing a closer walk with you. Maybe I'm missing something that draws me near to you. I, I don't know, but the last, the third question is, what one thing do we need to let go of in 2017? Remember that story? I mean, he had everything. And the Bible says he walks away sad because he's walking away holding on to all his stuff. And Jesus is going, wow. You know, he's one of the very few people in Scripture. Most people that have an encounter with Jesus walk away utterly transformed. This dude chose to hold on to his stuff. And when he did, he walks away from Christ, sad, burdened. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, really quickly, verse 13, it says, Brothers, do not, this is Paul talking. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet taken hold of it. Listen, I'm not going to pretend like I've got my hand on it. But one thing I do is... Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal and win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, listen, yeah, you might, might be able to show up to Wednesday night with your, your Christian trophies and your Christian badges and I've been coming to church for 35 years or I've been saved for 15 years or I know Jesus longer than you know. But the reality is you're holding on to a lot of stuff. You're still not letting go of pride. You're still not letting go of of jealousy or comparison or fear. What is the one thing that the Holy Spirit is, I mean, he is just poking our hearts right now. You need to let go of that. You need to let go of that. That's going to prevent the new thing to happen in your life. And behold, I'm trying to do a new thing here. I'm forgetting what's in the past. I want a new thing, but you're going to have to 
let it go, let it go. All right, you're going to have to. You're going to have to do it. So just right here in this moment, just, okay, God, what am I needing to, what am I needing to, according to Philippians, forget what is behind and what am I going to begin to press on towards? I can't, I can't keep moving forward if I've got my hand holding on a pass. I used to tell the students this illustration all the time because they're just learning how to drive and it made sense because everything else I said didn't make sense. But here's what I used to tell them. Uh, you know, get in the car, right? You're all excited. You got your driver's license and you're getting ready to drive. But what if you drove the entire time looking at the rearview mirror instead of the windshield that's so in front of What if you just spent all your time looking at what you, where you've been, what's happening behind you, what's going on back there? You would for sure, what? Crash. They make that window called the windshield a whole lot more bigger than that little rearview mirror. You're only supposed to glance and go, I see where I've been, but I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. Ushers, go ahead and begin to serve communion. Tonight at Westover Hills, we practice open communion. What does, that, what does that mean? It just simply means this. That you don't have to take a special class to take communion with us. The only requirement to take communion at this house is that you have your heart in right standing with God. And how do you do that? It's through Jesus Christ just inviting him into your life. If you're saying, well, I'm going to do that. I'm, I, I want to be able to do that. I haven't done that yet, but I want to be able to do that. You know what? Go ahead and take communion. We're going to take care of that in a few moments. But we practice open communion. Please feel free to take communion and participate tonight in the table of the Lord. God and you reminding each other of what we, or what he came to do for us. But we want you to take that as the ushers begin to pass the communion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish my message. So we've already asked this question, God, what is the one thing that I, that, that, that I desire more from you? What's the one thing that I desire in life? Is it you? Maybe I need to ask that. What's the one thing that I need to, to, uh, to, to let go of? What's the one thing that I lack? What's the one thing that's missing? What's the one thing that I just need to remove from my, from my, my focal point, my, 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 the things that I'm so interested about? Or what is it that I need to recalibrate, let go of? And then the last question. What one promise? Here, here catch this. What one promise do you need to claim or grab a hold of? See, what's cool is when you let go of something, when I let go of it, my hand becomes free. I can hold on to something else. And once I let go of the stuff that so easily entangles, as Hebrews tells us, once I let go of the sin, once I let go of the, the junk that just kept me down, once I let go of that, guess what I can do now? My hands become free to do what? To hold on, to claim, to grab on to the promises that God has for me. And let me tell you, there's a whole lot of them. Uh, I put a few in the app. If you have the app, I just listed a few, and we're just going to read them really quickly. But I just listed a few. God promises to meet you and have uh, to meet every need, not every want, okay? Don't get hung up on that. But meet every need that you have according to his riches. You don't even have to pay for it. God's going to say, I'm going to pay for it. It's coming out. My riches, he says, your needs. That's really awesome. Uh, you won't be tempted beyond what you can handle. Some of you need to hold on to that. Some of you need to hold on to this one. Uh, God promises to forgive you of your sins. Did you know that? Like that's a promise. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise. You can hold on to that. Not, well, I don't know if it's true for me because you don't know my past. Yes, I do know it's a promise from the Lord. Listen, to make everything work for your good in Romans 8, 28, that's what a promise. God says, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make that tragedy that almost cost you everything or maybe it did cost you everything. Watch God says, I promise you, I will spin that evil thing the enemy did for you, and I'll turn it 
and it'll bring glory to my name. It'll bring glory to the house. It'll bring glory to him. It'll bring glory to what he's doing in your life. And people will go, didn't you? Aren't you? Why are you? I want what you have. You'll see people go from get away to let me have what you have. It's a really cool thing. It's a promise. The Bible says he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Some of you, that's where you were at a minute ago when we were singing, I am not alone. You're going, well, I sure don't feel like I'm alone. The Bible, you can hold on to it. What's the one thing, what's the one promise you need to hold on to tonight? Is it the promise that God is with you? That he's not abandoned you? He didn't forsake you? No, because his word says, I'll never do that. I'll never leave you. To be your ever-present help in time of trouble? Are you in it tonight? Are you in a mess? Just know this. God's promise is that he will be your ever-present, not your past. Not, you're going to have to wait till your older future. No, right now, your ever-present help, he's here to help. That's a promise. Hold on to it. To give you strength. Oh, I prayed for someone before service start. To give strength to the weary and, a, and power to the weak. That's a promise, not a, not a maybe. Not if you do X, Y, Z. No, it's a promise. Hold on to it. To give you power to defeat Satan. Oh, I love that. That's there, James 4, 7. That nothing could separate us from God's love. Nothing. No executive order. Come on. No, 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 no uh, loss of my job. No, 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 what culture says. Nothing can separate us from God's love. That's a pro- Someone needs to hold on to that tonight. Someone needs to hold on to that tonight. Like literally, literally you, you need to hold on to the fact that nothing can separate you. Not the gender confusion you're going through. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Someone needed that tonight. Hold on to that promise. Hold on to it. But you can't hold on to it if you're holding on to the other stuff of the past. You can't hold on to it if you're holding on to pain and hurt and unforgiveness. You got to let it go. So you can say, God, what one promise am I going to hold on to? Oh, I like this in Romans 8, 37. We're more than conquerors more than conquerors. Eternal life through Jesus, it's a promise. It's a promise. What one thing, what one thing do you desire more than anything else from the Lord? What do you need to let go of? What do you feel like you're lacking? God says, ask. That's what it says. If anyone lacks, let him ask. No, it doesn't say ask. It's just me. It rhymed. Ask. If you're missing something, if you, what James said, if you lack, ask. What's the one thing you need to say, God, I, I lack this, but I don't want to lack anymore. I want to be full of the fullness of God in my life. I want all of you. What is it that you need to hold on to? You feel like it's slipping through your fingers, but you just, God's promised you're going to grip it tonight and God's going to grip you as you're holding on to the communion elements tonight. Let's talk about what you have in your hands. In scripture, the night Jesus was crucified, something happened symbolically. The Bible says that on the night he was crucified, he took bread and, and like they would accustom to do, they would take it and they would break it and they would dip and they would eat, but he broke it and instead of passing it and just like typical, he stopped and he held it and he said to his disciples, this is my body which is going to be broken for you. They didn't know what that meant, but we do. We knew that a few hours later, he was literally going to be whipped, 
almost to death by one lash, okay? We knew that his beard was going to be plucked out. We knew he was going to be punched and stabbed and poked and prodded. We knew because we read it. We're from the future looking back into the past. We're going to see it. We know. The disciples had no clue. And when he said that, this is my body which is broken for you, what he was saying was, listen, I'm going to go through hell and torment in my physical body so you will be made whole in your spiritual body and in your physical body as well. See, it's by his stripes we are what? Healed. Healed spiritually. You can mean it spiritually, emotionally, physically. We believe that at Westover Hills, that God is a God of miracles. And if that's a physical healing you need, because he was broken, we, us, we, watching online, around the world, we have access to wholeness through the brokenness of Jesus. And he said, remember this. This is how it comes. It doesn't come from being good. It doesn't come from going to church X amount of years. It doesn't come from this. It comes from me and my body, which was broken. That's the source. It's Jesus. When we acknowledge that, when we remind ourselves it was him, it's his brokenness, he did that for us, and we accept that that's what he wants us to remember. And he said, on that night, I want you to do this until I come back. I want you to remember, you don't have to live broken like this piece of bread. You can be made whole. Reminded us. So tonight we do that in communion. We take communion every first Wednesday. It's a reminder. We take communion that just simply means, God, we're going to break this cracker. We're going to break this wafer. What it means is that your body was broken so I don't have to be. And so we're going to pray a prayer. We're going to say, Lord, if there's brokenness in my life, I let go of it. In this, in this moment, I, I recognize that you, Jesus, you were broken for me. So tonight, that's what we're going to do. Would you bow your heads as we pray over this bread, this cracker, this wafer. Lord, this wafer, you told us to remind you that it wasn't, it wasn't easy. There was a huge sacrifice that you went through. But you went through it so we wouldn't have to. Yo, Adam sinned. One man brought it to the entire, your one person. Sacrifice saved all of humanity. God, your brokenness is my healing is our healing tonight. And so we remind ourselves that you are the source of our healing. You are the source. And we put our hope and our faith in you and Jesus alone for our wholeness. We don't look for others to make us whole. We don't look for, for technology to make us whole. We don't look for God's substance to make us whole. Substance abuse to make, we look to you to make us whole. If you're here tonight and you're saying, you know what, I'm incomplete. All you got to do is call upon Jesus' name. He'll make you complete tonight. Just say, Jesus, I need you in this moment. Before we take this, cup, this bread and this cup, just say, Jesus, make me whole. Jesus, I, I invite you into my life. I invite you into my life. I, I need you. You're the source, and I've been doing it without my source, and I've been trying to live life without it, and I'm broken. But tonight, I'm calling upon your name, and my brokenness is being, is being healed tonight. Jesus' name, we bless this broken piece of wafer, which was your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you break and take? The Bible says on that same night and in the same way, they would pass the cup. But Jesus stopped, took the cup. And they're like, wait, there he goes again. What's he doing? And he said, this cup is the new covenant. There's that, behold, I'm making new, I'm doing something new. That's that Isaiah prophecy right here being fulfilled in this very act. I'm doing something new, a new covenant. 
used to have to make sacrifices because there was not a perfect sacrifice that was perfect for this. But Jesus says, I'm that. I'm the perfect sacrifice of all sins. No more slaying of animals. No more going to the temple and making sacrifices. I am about to become the ultimate sacrifice for sin. And it's the only reason why you and I can be saved. It's the only reason you and I can step into the throne room of God. It's the only reason why we can have God's presence come into this place. Because Jesus died. Had he just been beaten and wounded, would have been a terrible act of crime and an abusive moment in his life. But it wouldn't have been salvation. We would still have to take sacrifices to the temple and animals and that whole system. But Jesus said, no, I'm the Lamb of God. We sang it tonight. I'm the Lamb of God. I'm the perfect sacrifice. I hope that clicks for you tonight. That's why we sing he's the lamb that was slain. He was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And because of his bloodshed, you and I can call to the Father and say you are our Father again. We're made in right standings with God. We put on the salvation of Jesus Christ. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees his son, Jesus. That happens because of the bloodshed on the cross. And he raised the cup and he said, just like this, my will... My blood will be shed for the remission of your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins. And so we remind ourselves that the, oh, this is just grape juice, but the remembrance, the symbolic is to say, God, without the blood, there is no salvation. So let's pray together in this room. Let's thank God for salvation in this place. If you're a Christ follower, you know what it means to be saved. You just did it a few seconds ago. You know what I mean? Like, let's just thank God for the blood. The Father, without the blood, it's impossible. Without the blood of Jesus, salvation doesn't exist. But thank you for all, God. It costs you all. Thank you, Jesus, for your all. Because of your all, I can stand here forgiven in front of these people. Though I have sinned and I have done terrible things, your your forgiveness covers me. Your grace as we rang over, it washes over me. It does. This is a reminder of what you did. Let us be reminded as as believers in Jesus, what this means. Salvation on the cross for us. Lord, we bless this cup and we thank you for salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take the cup? Now we do, we're going to spend a